is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Coming to you from Houston in the very rude state of Texas, this is Not Sam Wrestling, a very special post-Royal Rumble episode of Not Sam Wrestling. So look, we're just coming off the Royal Rumble, and uh, I did, I opened it up to Q&A, so we'll get to all that. I opened it up to a Q&A on Twitter, hashtag Not Sam Wrestling, so I'm going to go through the hashtag and look at all those cues and give them A's. But man, let's talk about the Royal Rumble. And I don't want to take away from Worlds Collide. Worlds Collide was tremendous. Uh, The eight-man tag was just above and beyond what anybody could think it was. I thought Andy Shepard did a great job on the kickoff show for only doing, I think that's like his second kickoff show. I thought he did good. Uh, But the Royal Rumble was, to me, so far above and beyond what I thought it would be. So, firstly, you know, I like to pay attention not just to how I feel about shows, not just to even how the fans in the arena feel about the shows. I get this unique position of getting to hear how wrestlers feel about shows and about matches. And one of my favorite things to see is when the wrestling fan comes out in people that work in WWE. Because realistically speaking, I mean, anybody that's got a job where you started off as a fan, whether you're maybe a writer and, you know, you grew up uh, idolizing journalists, or I'm sure athletes get the same thing, or anybody, any industry that you work in, that at one point you were like, oh, I would just love to work in that industry, or you grew up, you know, just really having such great admiration for the people in this industry. When you do it as the job, it becomes a job. It becomes your day in, day out, next thing, next, next. But there are moments in wrestling. What makes wrestling special is there are moments in wrestling when it will draw out that fan in you. Even if you're an adult, even if you live, eat, sleep, breathe wrestling, there are moments where the magic kind of comes back. And you see that in wrestlers and in people who kind of work backstage in WWE. And it's not all that often. It's It's got to be pretty special. But the Royal Rumble was an example of that. I, I felt like I was watching the Royal Rumble this year with a bunch of fans. And it was all people who work in WWE because we all had the same reaction that I would hope that most of you had. You know, I posted something on Twitter and there's still people that were kind of, I don't know, I got memes in response. And sometimes it's difficult to read memes because I'm not a zenial and it becomes very, very difficult. But like when I post, this was the best Royal Rumble in years. And I get a response of Steve Carell from the office cringing I assume that means I disagree with your statement. I can't see how it would mean I agree with your statement. But I also can't see how you wouldn't agree with that statement I made. But let's take it from the beginning. So getting to do the kickoff show again uh, at the Royal Rumble this year with Booker T and Renee and getting to walk the aisle and to stop our truth from entering the Royal Rumble and, and 
to be the A panel, let's be honest, between the two panels, the number one panel, uh, was so much fun. And when I tell you, by the way, that everything that the three of us did on that kickoff show was off the cuff, I can't understate, or, or I can't overstate that? Yeah, I can't overstate that. I can't overstate how off the cuff it was, to the point where some of those segments were not even in the plan. Some of the segments that you saw on live TV, literally it was us and the producer talking right before and going, let's do this, and then doing it. But when it's, you know, when you get to work with Booker T and Renee Young, you can pull off stuff like that. And that's my favorite way to do things. When you can just trust the people that you're working with and you trust the producers that you're working with, Mike Mansuri, and you can just go off the cuff and have a good time doing a show like this because you all know what you're doing and you all know what you're talking about. It's just so much fun. It's it's almost like radio. I mean, that's why, you know, when I do these podcasts, I almost never edit anything. I record it as if it's live. I love doing live radio. I love doing live shows with WWE. I love that, the, you know, the kickoff shows are live. And I love when we get in a position where it's like, hey, here's what we kind of want to do. Let's make sure all the tech works. Let's make sure the mics work. You guys good? Okay, you know what we want? Okay, let's go. And we could just go. And that's what we did. I mean, even with the truth stuff, just go. Just be yourself. That's why, you know, everybody says like, oh, your heel turn. And they were booing me in Houston and all this stuff. When did you just, when, when did they make you turn heel? Or Sam's doing a bad job of, of being a heel. That's not how a heel is supposed to act. First of all, the idea that you want a heel to act in a way that's comfortable to you so that you don't dislike them is not a heel. If you want a heel to act like an 80s wrestling heel so that you know what it is and that way, you know, you'll boo but not real not really boo, that's not a heel. A heel is somebody that you actually don't like. And secondly, of course I'm not a heel. I'm not a baby face. I'm not a wrestler. I'm not a competitor. The WWE comes to me and they go, Sam, we want you to be yourself. We want you to be the same smart ass that you are on the radio. We want you to just state your opinion. You don't have to worry about it because I'm not interviewing people. I don't have to sit there and be – just sit there and give me your opinion. What do you think of this? Do you think Brock Lesnar is going to win the Royal Rumble? Yeah. I thought he would. I was wrong. Do you? Th can anybody beat Brock Lesnar? No. Do you think that Daniel Bryan's going to beat The Fiend? No, of course I don't think that. And here's why. You know, you don't have to dance around and put, well, you're supposed to put people over. What does that even mean? Put people over. I don't even know what anybody's talking about anymore. Nobody knows what they're talking about. But uh, that was a thrill, as it always is. Two, the two kickoff show matches were great. Andrade going over uh, Umberto Carrillo and Sheamus defeating Shorty G. But the Royal Rumble pay-per-view itself, I thought the energy in Houston maintained. And it, for instance, last year it did not maintain. So by the time the men's Royal Rumble closed the show last year, the crowd had kind of died off. 
But there were a couple of things that as a pay-per-view, the whole show did very right. Number one, they kept it to four hours. And who would have thought? And, and, and it was only two matches instead of three matches on the kickoff show. So it wasn't an overload. It wasn't an overstimulus. It wasn't, as some people would say, too much birthday. It was just the right amount of birthday. Who would have thought, only a few years ago, we lived in a world where pay-per-views were three hours and pay-per-views were three hours. Oh, and pay-per-views were three hours. That's it. To get to a place where we're like, if you can do a big four pay-per-view in four hours, then you're on the right track. But that's what they did. Four hours was perfect for tonight's Royal Rumble show to get everything in and get everything right. Four hours was perfect, and every match mattered. Every match had a purpose, starting with the Roman Reigns-Baron Corbin match. You know, if you're going to do a Falls Count Anywhere match in a baseball stadium, you might as well pin a man on a dugout. I don't see why you wouldn't. And Roman Reigns getting the decisive victory that he needed. You know, I thought that was the thing about that match, that Roman Reigns who, since he's returned, hasn't gotten a title match. He hasn't been in contention for the Universal Championship or the WWE Championship. Uh, Baron Corbin's beaten him a couple times. Baron Corbin's got his number. He needed a decisive win over Baron Corbin in this match, and he got it. I Something tells me it might not be over, but I thought between him and Baron Corbin, which I think it should be. I think, you know, the story's been told. Uh, but I thought the match was good. I like Roman Reigns' attitude now. And he had the attitude in the Royal Rumble match, too. Because he got some boos. It wasn't like the rain of boos that he used to get. But he got some boos, like enough that you really heard it in that stadium. But he was mean, you know? He wasn't kind of being charming. He wasn't smiling. Like, he didn't look like... He was worried about being anybody's poster boy. He looked badass. At one point, we're getting ahead of ourselves. At one point in the Royal Rumble match, when he's going back and forth with Edge, and he's getting ready to spear Edge, he's shouting, it's my time. And it wasn't in a cheesy way, and it wasn't in a way like he was trying to gain the audience's support. It was in a fed-up way. It was in a enough, like he was frustrated that everybody was happy that Edge was back because Roman felt like he hadn't gotten his just desserts. And I thought that that was cool. I liked that Roman had, was mean. I liked that he was, like, like, not worried about making sure that everybody liked him. That he was just an ass kicker. And that's what I think Roman has to be, and that's what he was tonight. Or whenever you're listening to this, at the Royal Rumble. Uh, so I thought that match was great. Going into the women's Royal Rumble match, um... I thought that the match was paced well. Um, you know, I, I think that it... I think that the thing about the women's Royal Rumble match, and people booed Charlotte, and I guess we'll go right to the end, because I thought that one of the best parts of the match was Charlotte's promo. I thought the finish was interesting, because it almost became a thing where Charlotte won because you really thought Shayna Baszler was going to win. When everybody thinks that somebody is going to win, I do think it's better that they don't win. You know, when the Vegas betting odds have 
Shayna Baszler winning and the internet thinks Shayna Baszler's going to win. And, you know, we talked about it on Thursday on the podcast that when I ex- was going over my top five potential outcomes for the Royal Rumble, I said, you know, Shayna is number one because she'll probably be the one that wins. But I, it wasn't even like it was my prediction. It was just the prediction. It was what everybody was kind of thinking. So I like that Shayna didn't win, but still looked dominant. Look, I think that if you look at that Royal Rumble match, the two people that really came out shining more than ever was Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler. The whole first half of that match was all about what a star Bianca Belair is. That was uh, crystal clear. That was what that match was built to do. Become The first half was built to be a showcase for Bianca Belair. And I thought she rose to the occasion. You know, she ended up getting eliminated through a very dumb mistake by going to the top rope. But she's inexperienced, you know. I think that there is a, a good cohesiveness happening between the brands. You know, we say, well... Vince controls Raw and SmackDown, and Triple H controls NXT, and it's two separate. But there is this agreement and familiarity with everything that's going on where it's very helpful to NXT that Bianca Belair looks super strong in this Royal Rumble match, number one, to get eyes on the NXT product, and number two, I think that Bianca Belair's performance in this Royal Rumble match lends a ton of credibility to her match with Rhea Ripley uh, at TakeOver in two weeks. I think that, uh, and and that's, I don't think that that's the kind of cohesiveness that you might have expected without it feeling like NXT is becoming Raw and SmackDown light, which it doesn't feel like that's what's happening. So I think that that's a very good thing. Um, you know, I thought there were some fun surprises. Uh, Kelly Kelly coming back, Molly Holly coming back, uh... Naomi was amazing. That's not a surprise. I'm really happy to see Naomi back. Um, who else was there in the women's uh, match? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I thought the Santina spot was funny. I, I guess some people probably won't like it, but I thought the Santina spot was funny. And how impressive was Beth Phoenix? The Copeland family shined at the 2020 Royal Rumble. And who would have thought that that is a sentence that we would be saying? But the Copeland family shined bright like a diamond. Anybody that's wondering why Beth Phoenix is doing commentary at NXT, first of all, she's pretty good at commentary. Second of all, what allows her credibility is what we saw in the Royal Rumble. Why Beth Phoenix is in the Hall of Fame? Take a look at the Royal Rumble. The length of time that she was in that ring for somebody that doesn't actively wrestle at all anymore was incredible. She, I feel like Beth Phoenix could be an active competitor today if she wanted to be. The emotion that was all over her face, the throwing Natalia out, that was another thing. There were some real long-term stories that were told in that Women's Royal Rumble match. Uh, Santina Morella and... Uh, and WrestleMania from 2009, like 10, 11 years ago, and kind of, you know, hearkening back to the story of Beth Phoenix and Santino. 
I think it was two years ago that Natalia eliminated Beth Phoenix, kind of turning on her, and then Beth Phoenix gets her revenge this year. I mean, how amazing was it that the final three were Shayna, Charlotte, and Beth Phoenix? And while I don't think anybody really thought Beth Phoenix was going to win, it's only because we know she's not an active competitor. If Beth Phoenix wasn't a commentator and she had just come back for this pay-per-view, I think people might have believed that she was really going to win. If you said Beth Phoenix, if you said today, oh, Beth Phoenix is coming back to be an active competitor, nobody would scoff at that, especially after that performance. And she was bleeding. I couldn't tell why she was bleeding the whole time, but she's bleeding from the back of her head. Um, so, yeah, I thought, and then Charlotte winning. Here's why I liked not necessarily why I liked her winning, but why I liked what happened. When Charlotte won, the boos that rang through that stadium, the Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas, were similar to the boos that rang through the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia when Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble. And I was at both shows. What everybody always says about that Roman Reigns moment is, oh, Roman should have turned heel then. Oh, Roman should have acknowledged the crowd and flipped him off. Or Roman should have said, regardless, whatever you think, I'm going to WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. But instead, he just, you know, tried to keep being a babyface, and that's the whole problem with Roman Reigns. But how about the fact that Charlotte, who was already kind of half a heel anyway, Charlotte just started healing out on the whole audience, that Charlotte said, it doesn't matter what you think because I don't care because I'm going to WrestleMania. I like, you know, people try to immediately put WrestleMania together as if it's happening in three weeks. They go, oh, well, I guess we're getting Charlotte and Bailey, or oh, I guess we're getting Charlotte and Becky. Like, the person who took the SmackDown Women's Championship to WrestleMania last year was not the person who held the SmackDown Women's Championship at Royal Rumble. Before WrestleMania, we've got the show in Saudi Arabia at the end of February. We've got Elimination Chamber in March. And we've got many episodes of television. Many, many episodes of television. So there's plenty of time for stories to be told. And there's plenty of time for title changes to happen. I would imagine that Becky Lynch is going to carry the Women's Championship to WrestleMania. But, you know, I could absolutely see Bayley losing her women's championship. Um, I don't know. You know, I wonder who I would have Charlotte face. You know, because I, I am kind of in agreement that, you know, and I talked about this on Thursday. I don't think we need another Becky Lynch-Charlotte match. But, theoretically, it could probably be built to be compelling. They are the two best. That's why I don't have a problem with Charlotte, in theory, winning the Royal Rumble. Because, as I said, she was one of my top five potential outcomes. She's due a win. When you look at that list of which women have won the Royal Rumble, it's weird that, even though there's only been three now, it's weird that Charlotte did not win either of the first two. Charlotte is... As close to, a, a, well, I don't want to say a female Hulk Hogan just because Hulk Hogan was such a cultural icon. But Charlotte is 
when she's not champion, she's kind of the uncrowned champion. Charlotte is the face of WWE's women's division. Becky Lynch is probably a bigger star. Becky Lynch is certainly more popular. But in terms of long-term stars, Charlotte is right there. And it is odd that she hadn't won a Royal Rumble before this, even though there have only been two. Uh, and, and it makes sense that she would win this one. I wouldn't be shocked if Shayna Baszler were to either work her way into a triple threat match and instead of doing Becky Bailey Shayna, we did Becky Charlotte Shayna. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. It feels very similar to the main event of WrestleMania last year, but I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen. I also wouldn't be shocked to see Shayna beat Becky. I mean, not Becky. I would be shocked to see Shayna beat Becky. I wouldn't be shocked to see Shayna beat Bailey and still do a Shayna Charlotte match because as much as I want to see a Shayna Baszler Becky Lynch match at WrestleMania, that showdown at Royal Rumble, that face to face between Shayna Baszler and Charlotte, it just looked like, I don't know, all these. Thoughts came into my head when I saw Charlotte and Shayna Baszler together. Like, this women's division that we know it today was based around, was built around Charlotte. Charlotte was the star that the modern-day WWE women's division was built around. And Shayna Baszler is the spoiler. Shayna Baszler is the polar opposite of Charlotte, but she's unbeatable. Shayna Baszler has the ability to come in and take advantage of the division that Charlotte built, and there's nothing Charlotte can do about it. That's the story that started formulating in my head when I looked at Charlotte and Shayna Baszler together. And that's the match that I kind of fell in love with. I would love to see us get there somehow. Although, you know, you could do... If you're going to leave the title on Bailey, you could do Bailey versus Charlotte and then Becky versus Shayna. But I do feel like Shayna versus Charlotte is the match that I want to see. And then maybe Becky and... I wouldn't mind seeing Becky and Sasha Banks, to tell you the truth. Maybe they do the old flip-flop again. Who knows? Who knows? But that's the thing. There's a lot of time between now and WrestleMania. And I think that that's why some people didn't like Charlotte winning the Women's Royal Rumble is because there isn't this clear built-in story leading to WrestleMania. You know what I mean? There isn't this clear built-in, here's exactly what Charlotte's going to be doing. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's okay to tell that story between now and then, uh, especially because Charlotte didn't say which title she was going to go for. Who knows? Maybe she'll go for the NXT title and we'll see Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte. We've seen crazier things. By the way, I did not hear of any confrontation backstage between Brock Lesnar and Matt Riddle. I know that the websites are talking about it, but didn't happen around me if it happened. Um, Bailey beat Lacey Evans. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was surprised by it, but I also wouldn't say I was not surprised. Like I said, I could have seen that match going either way, but I kind of like the Bailey one. I kind of like that she's having a, a, a longish run. With the title, and especially since that happened after the Women's Royal Rumble, it wouldn't have fit into my storyline of having Sasha Banks win the Women's Royal Rumble anyway. Um, 
But I thought they did it good. I thought the crowd was interested. Uh, I loved the strap match between The Fiend and Daniel Bryan. I mean, Daniel Bryan is very, very good at taking audiences on a ride with him. I think WWE did a very smart thing in keeping the red lights off the match. And I don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing, no more red lights, or if that was just for this. But I I think that the reason, or at least one of the reasons, why this match specifically didn't have those red lights is because if the red lights had been on, we wouldn't have seen any of the welts on Daniel. Those red welts that were just raised across his chest and back from that strap, we wouldn't have seen any of it in the red light. So I think that that was smart. And I also just think it's smart. You know, I don't think anybody, I think the majority of fans are not into the red light being on throughout the match. And they did the same thing with Kane. You know, when Kane first showed up and they were establishing the character, they had red lights on his matches. But then once it became a little bit more serious and he was having higher profile matches, it was like, okay, these matches aren't just about showcasing Kane. We're telling a story now. So let's take the let's take the red lights off. And they did, and I think that that was the right call. But I thought that match did a lot for Bill. I think Daniel Bryan still leaves as a main event caliber guy. And I think The Fiend looks even more unbeatable than ever. And I don't think that people really take into account how much Bray Wyatt has improved. Not that he was ever bad. You guys know I've been a Bray Wyatt fan forever. But... Because he's wearing that mask, we almost associate him as a totally different person. But Bray Wyatt and the stuff that he's doing now is so good. It's amazing. But I thought I thought that match was good. I was happy The Fiend won, to tell you the truth, because it made it so that what I said on the pre-show was right. And I love being right. Becky Lynch retaining against Asuka, that was another match. That There were moments where I was like, oh my God, is Asuka actually going to win? Is Asuka going to win this match here right now? Is she going to be the Raw Women's Champion? And I don't remember who tweeted it. I would love to give you credit for it, but I don't remember who you are. Somebody said, like, couldn't couldn't you have done Asuka winning the title from Becky and then taking that to WrestleMania? And I guess you could have, but I think that you want Becky going into WrestleMania to be this Becky Lynch, you know? I think... You want Becky the champ going into WrestleMania. I think it's actually a more compelling story to have Becky as this unbeatable babyface champion and then maybe have a, a great obstacle in front of her. Like they were pointing, they, they tried to make Asuka, you know, the one great obstacle in front of Becky Lynch. When in reality, Asuka had more had more of a reason to have a grudge with Becky than vice versa, in my opinion. But uh, I, I think that that's probably more of a, a, a story that should be told. You know, I don't think that you can pull off, with the amount of work you've done to make Becky this huge star since last year's WrestleMania, I don't think bringing her into this year's WrestleMania as an underdog would work at all. I think she's got to go in as champion. And I love the idea of Becky walking into WrestleMania with the title that she won at last year's WrestleMania, you know? And then and that'll be, can she hold the title for over a year? Well, in order to do that, she's got to successfully defend it against whoever, whether it's Shayna Baszler, whether it's Charlotte. You know, there's plenty of people. 
that could potentially face Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. And that's definitely something that I think is going to start to take shape as the weeks go by. Uh, and then the Royal Rumble match itself. Man, I was talking about the last great Royal Rumble match was only two years ago. I thought 2018 was really good. But this Royal Rumble match was the best in years. I think 2020's Royal Rumble match, it's already on my top five for sure. And I think it should be on just about everybody's top five. I would love to, maybe on Thursday or something, I'll pull up that list that that guy emailed in, ranking his all of the Royal Rumbles of all time and the order in which he liked them and figure out where 2020 fits in. Because I definitely think it's got to be top five. I mean, what a journey we went on. So we go in, and Brock Lesnar comes out at number one and just starts dominating, dominating everyone. And I love that they did it for a good amount of time. You know, I thought, obviously, when Elias came out as number two, I said, okay, that's Slim Pickens. Unfortunately, Elias doesn't have much of a shot here. But I thought when Eric Rowan came out at number three, I said, okay, now we've got a big standoff. Now it's time. Now the ring's going to start to fill up, and it's going to be a little bit tougher for Brock Lesnar. But he gets knocked out. John Morrison gets knocked out. You know, it looked like uh, the hit that John Morrison took was nuts. MVP makes his surprise appearance. He gets knocked out. I mean, there were a ton of them, just one after the other. I loved that, you know, Kofi got a little more time in there. Unfortunately, Kofi got did dirty again. But when when Biggie, Kofi Kingston, and Rey Mysterio get together, and it's like Kofi and his friend Biggie and Rey Mysterio, Kofi and Rey, the two people most recently that tried to conquer the beast and just weren't able to get the job done, well, now they're together. They've got Brock Lesnar's number. They got the experience. They know what they need to do. And they go in there, and they can't get the job done. And you thought that they would when they were doing the the trifecta when Kofi hit him, and then Big E hit Lesnar, and then they he ended up on the ropes, and the 619 comes in. And then Brock's able to get back up and throw all three of them out. I mean, poor Big E. Forget about <laughs> this is not his year to be a single star, I don't think. I think that's going to have to just come later. But, you know... Brock, for as much dominating as he did in this match, the guy, if you really pay attention to what you're watching, the guy's ability to sell is incredible. Everything that you think is happening to Brock Lesnar feels real. Brock makes you think that it's real. And it's through the way his body reacts. It's through the way he goes down. Like, it's all every time he gets hit, the, you get you, you feel this wave of momentum because the crowd's like, oh, this is it. And you could see on his face he didn't expect it. His facial expressions are perfect. How about when Keith Lee came in and they go nose to nose? And even though Brock's calling him a big guy, there's still some doubt in Brock's eyes. And when he gets knocked down with that second shoulder block, he can't believe it. I was like, yeah, perfect. It's all in Brock's face. So good. Then when Drew McIntyre finally comes out, that's another one. Talk about facial expressions. There was no acting in Drew McIntyre's face. When he walked down that aisle and he was just staring a hole in Brock Lesnar, 
and you felt it. And then he got in the ring, and you just watched Brock Lesnar just destroy everybody, and just about everybody was smaller than him. And you realize how big Drew McIntyre actually is when he's nose-to-nose with Brock. But I'm sitting there going, and I was literally about to ask somebody in the room that I was watching the show in, did Ricochet get eliminated and the camera didn't catch it? And then all of a sudden, boom, kick in the dick. Kick in the dick. And I know what you're saying. The rule of thumb, Sam, is that good guys don't kick in the dick. And while they don't, Ricochet clearly, you know, it's not a one-on-one. If, if you're doing Ricochet versus Brock Lesnar, it's going to be a, a fast match, and it's not going to. It's going to be fairly one-sided. So I don't get mad, especially since Ricochet got kicked in his dick on Raw. I don't get mad when I see Ricochet do a dick kick in the Royal Rumble, especially because what it led to. The kick, Brock going over the top rope, and the crowd losing their minds. And it was so effective. So effective. And and it goes back to what they've been doing with Drew as well, you know, over the last couple of weeks on Raw, where this gradual babyface turn has been happening, where Drew hasn't really been changing as a person, but it's making it okay to cheer for him. And all of a sudden... Because that's the attitude that's happened. When he does this move, everybody loses their mind. And I thought it was great. And that's when at number whatever it was, 15, 16, 17, maybe even 18, the Royal Rumble actually finally starts. There was a part of me going, what if this just lasts forever? You know, and I think that I think that people had a lot of, of kind of negative expectations, fair or unfair. You know, I think there was a big assumption going in that Cain Velasquez is going to come in. He's going to eliminate Brock Lesnar. We're going to build to a Cain Velasquez-Brock Lesnar match. Or Cain Velasquez is going to come in. He's going to eliminate Brock Lesnar. Cain Velasquez wins the Royal Rumble. Blah, blah. Like, we have to realize we're not doing Cain Velasquez-Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, I don't think. We're doing Drew McIntyre-Brock Lesnar. The fact that that, that those seeds were planted and now we have a real match that it's not just, oh, well, this guy won the Royal Rumble, so now he's going to get a Brock Lesnar match. It's already, I've got to see this match. I want to see the story. And they're going all the way to WrestleMania without Drew McIntyre ever getting a WWE Championship match or a Universal Championship match. So now, all, I mean, I'm already sitting there going, Good Lord, we've got a match here where you can't call it. There's no reason to say that Brock Lesnar's not going to win that match. He wins all of his matches. But there's also no reason to say that Drew McIntyre isn't going to get his crowning achievement, especially because what happened at the end of the match. But we'll get there. Because the match kept building. I thought Corbin, uh, uh, Baron Corbin got some wonderful heat by eliminating Matt Riddle so quickly. Um Dude, the Edge return. You think you know me. Amazing. And some people were like, yeah, we all knew that was going to happen. The same people that reported Edge was returning also reported Paige was returning, also reported The Undertaker was going to be in Houston. Also, I mean, you know, you can't just take credit for the stuff you get right because you got everything else wrong. The same people saying Edge was coming back were the ones saying Cain Velasquez was going to be in the Rumble. You know what I mean? It's like you can't, you can't just point out the things that you got right 
if you're not getting the majority of the stuff right. That said, Edge's return was huge. He's in tremendous shape, and I can't believe how good he was in the ring. And I like, I like, first of all, yeah, okay. I like that Edge got eliminated because when Edge got eliminated, I'm sitting there going, I would be okay if Rated RKO got back together. But I would also probably be okay. It's interesting that Randy Orton Edge appears to be the first program they might be doing based on the Royal Rumble. Because every person that Edge ended up face-to-face with was a dream match. Aleister Black, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles, all of it. But nobody's going to be mad at Edge versus Randy Orton, and maybe that would be good for Edge as he comes back. I don't know anything about Edge's deal. I don't know if it's going to be full-time. I don't know the length of time. I, I know that there have been rumors around, but I don't know anything about it. However, I would think that because he got eliminated from the Royal Rumble, because if he had won the Royal Rumble, there would be this thought that maybe Edge is back to do, you know, a Royal Rumble to WrestleMania run like some guys do. But because he got eliminated, it really makes me feel like Edge is back, Edge is back. And I just think that's phenomenal. Because we thought he was never going to wrestle again. I, I, I can't wait to hear the story of how Edge found out he was able to wrestle again, of, of, of why he's able to wrestle again, of the, the whole thing. It's just, it's so amazing. I was so happy to see him. I love that he looks a little older. He's got, that, he's got a little gray in his beard that he's not fixing. I hope he never fixes it. I love old man Edge. He's more cut than he used to be. He's got old man strength. I think he's, I, I, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I can't wait to see how Edge, the wrestler, interacts with the stars of today. It's going to be really, really good. Seth Rollins' performance in the Royal Rumble was phenomenal. It was terrific. I think the what, the move that was made, I, a lot of things were changed in the Royal Rumble. Um, heavy Machinery wasn't the, in it. Uh, Buddy Murphy was supposed to be in it. He wasn't in it, and it was never explained why. Uh, Rusev and Bobby Lashley, it was explained why they weren't in it. But there were a bunch of switcheroos made, so guys like Shelton Benjamin could be in, and there could be some surprises. I thought everything that was done seemed like it was done for the right reasons because, again, this was an amazing, amazing Royal Rumble match. You know, I I love that Buddy Murphy and the Authors of Pain helped eliminate Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. I love that Aleister Black got thrown into the mix, and now it elevates him as one of the top good guys on Raw. Um, It was a really creative way to get Seth's goons away from ringside and— you know, it made it so that it made sense when Seth Rollins got eliminated right away. He's a true bad guy. The transition has been made, and it should have been made. I thought I thought Seth was perfect in his role. I thought it was great. And then at the very end, right, I'm watching this thing, and I'm going, something tells me that Roman Reigns is going to win this Royal Rumble match. Something tells me that the majority of fans that are in this building and that are watching on television, the majority of fans, I think, are looking at this going, this Royal Rumble match is incredible. This is awesome. And I was literally already thinking, I wonder how they're going to feel when Roman Reigns wins. I wonder if the match is awesome enough that it could sustain that finish. 
And then when it didn't happen, like when Roman eliminated Edge, I was like, okay, here we go. When Drew eliminated Roman, I went, whoa. Whoa. I really could have sworn Roman was going to win. And I see the cheers, and the people in the stadium are actually cheering the good guy. When was the last time that there was a stadium show that the WWE put on that fans, they all went home happy? It's crazy. What are we walking into in 2020? Seems amazing. I can't wait. But I just thought that everything went so well. You know, we look forward towards WrestleMania. And you've got a question mark for a lot of people. You got a question mark for Roman Reigns. You got a question mark for Charlotte. You got a question mark for Becky and Bay and, and Bailey. You got a question mark for Daniel Bryan. You know, I still could see the Fiend versus Roman Reigns happening. You know, Roman Reigns might win the Elimination Chamber or something else. I could still see the Fiend versus Roman Reigns being your co-main event. But clearly, we're going with Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. I mean, that's the takeaway that I had from Royal Rumble anyway. And based on what we've had so far, I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. I think you finally developed a challenger worthy of the Brock Lesnar match. And, man, you know, for all the people that that were going, you got Drew McIntyre, why don't you just make him a main eventer? I, I, If it goes fo- forward, if it goes as well as it's going right now, I would say it was worth the wait. I would say it was smart to wait. So, yeah, that was kind of my my takeaways from the Royal Rumble pay-per-view and match itself. I, ju- I, I, was, I was very, very happy with it. Um, I thought it was really cool. Um, I already see uh, reports about Edge's uh, return and everything, but these are just from websites. I was looking to see if it was a quote from an interview, but it's not. So I won't acknowledge that. But I did open up the floor on Twitter. I told you guys to hashtag not Sam Wrestling, and I would answer your questions. Let me click latest, and let's see. Uh, Brock says, what happened to AJ Styles after the spear from Edge? I thought he was eliminated. No. Uh, this person says, no Sasha Banks tonight. That was a surprise. Uh, it, it's weird that she wouldn't at least be at Bailey's side. I don't know why she wasn't on the show tonight. Andrew, do you think Edge will have an upper mid-card or main event match at WrestleMania? I would think uh, upper mid-card. That would be my guess. Um, you know, I don't think... When, when I think main event for WrestleMania, I think last match. I think title match. I don't think Edge is going to have a title match at WrestleMania, which I think is good. Again, I mean, I think that Edge maybe. Maybe at WrestleMania 37, wild as it is, maybe then he'll get a title match. But no, I think that, and I think that that's wrong. You know, I think that, I think that Edge, we should spend some time reacclimating the audience to who Edge is. There are a lot of people watching wrestling now that weren't watching wrestling then. So I don't think there's any reason to rush Edge to the main event of anything. Uh, Greeny 
says, why are there only two, one or two people realistically who we can see win the Rumble? Is it because booking is so predictable or because no one is over nowadays? Like, I don't, it, people who, and no offense to you, buddy. I'm sure you're a good dude. I don't understand why you watch wrestling when you ask a question like that. It makes no sense to me. That is such a negative question that none of it, I mean, on so many levels, I find that question problematic. Like that is, you're literally, if that's how you feel, you are simply watching the show to complain. There are many talent who's over, and I could sit there right now. When you were watching the Rumble, when it got down to the final five, you could have seen any of those five men winning that match, and none of them were Brock Lesnar. I mean, let's think about it. Without even stretching, without even stretching, okay, maybe not Randy Orton. Although, why not Randy Orton? But maybe not Randy Orton. I would put Randy Orton in the category of AJ Styles where they're main eventers any at any point. But maybe based on the storytelling that's going on right now, they're probably not going to main event WrestleMania this year. Okay, that's fine. Fine. You're telling me one or two people, you got that Royal Rumble match and you're still, that question was sent after the Royal Rumble match had already happened. You're telling me because I'm assuming, I don't even know who the two you're thinking, one or two you're thinking of was. A lot of people thought Drew McIntyre would win the Royal Rumble. He was one of the favorites to win the Royal Rumble, but it certainly wasn't obvious. I came up with five very easy, very possible outcomes to the Rumble, and I just pulled them out of my ass, okay? Like, you've got Brock Lesnar, you've got Roman Reigns. You got Drew McIntyre, you got Seth Rollins, you got Edge. That's five right there. Right there. Easily, easily, easily could win the Royal Rumble. And none of them are stretching. If you want to start getting into, uh, you know, stretching and telling stories, then you go into Kofi Kingston. You go into Big A. I mean, there's uh, a Big E. Big A. There's so many... Like, I, I couldn't, I don't agree with that at all, especially this year. This year of all years. There have been years in the past where it's very obvious who's going to win, but that's not even, how did you, how did you word this question? I'm going to pull it up so exactly how you worded it. I mean, because booking is so predictable or because nobody is over, I don't know what you mean by no one is over nowadays. Like, there's plenty of stars I wouldn't I, that, that's not even somewhat true and booking is predictable like there have been times where booking is predictable there have been times where you're like clearly this is where they're going but I just told you coming off of the Royal Rumble other than Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar your Wrestlemania card is still all question marks so you know I, I couldn't agree with that question any less possibly um <laughs> Not Not Sam writes in, Sam, do you see the WWE women's tag titles being long sustainable as one set between all three brands? If not, do you see a deunification of the belts first or merging 
of Raw and SmackDown's roster into one roster show with one singles and one tag. No, I I mean, I would see the women's tag title as a floating title still. Uh, if anything, it would end up on NXT, which is kind of where all titles end up going. I think NXT, the new Cruiserweight Championship itself, looks so much better. But I like that they've rebranded. So the NXT logo is on the Cruiserweight title. The NXT logo is on the NXT UK champion. Because keep in mind, the entire time that Pete Dunne was champion, and even when Walter won the championship, he was not the NXT UK champion. He was the WWE UK champion. So um, I see the women's tag team title kind of staying as is. For the time being, anyway. No one roster has enough women on the roster to have exclusive rights to the tag titles. That's why it's split amongst the three. I do think that NXT needs to see more action with it. I think that the the you know the Kabuki Warriors need to come down to NXT, but at the same time, who's going to beat the Kabuki Warriors at this point? Um, Randy says, holy crap, Edge is back. What do you realistically see him doing at WrestleMania and beyond? Is he a part-timer like Undertaker or Triple H, or does he return full-time? I think you're going to see a run out of him. You know, I don't think this is a Batista thing. I don't think. I think that we're going to see Edge come back. I don't think he's going to be back for 10 years, but I think that I think that Edge is going to come back. I think that we're going to get some time out of him. And then eventually, whether it's after a year, maybe it's after two years, whatever it is, then maybe he, if he still has it in him, and still want, when I say has it in him, wants to do it, then maybe he becomes a part-time person. I don't think there's anything wrong with becoming a part-time person, by the way. I think we as fans can greatly benefit from that. Um, but... Yeah, so I don't I don't see him going into Undertaker Triple H mode yet. And clearly he's been training really hard and clearly he's gotten himself into tremendous shape. So I think a lot of questions are gonna be answered tonight on Raw. Uh but coming off of the pay per view, I, I feel like Edge is back back. Um Eddie asked the same question. Blake says, hey, Sam is Ma- he wrote is Maddie Ross sexy or what? I think he meant Maddie Rose. Jeff says, favorite and least favorite pay-per-view of each decade. In history? Uh, the 80s? My uh, No, I was a little kid in the 80s. That's not fair. The 90s, my favorite pay-per-view? Uh, no, I'm not doing it. It's that There's way too much there. Um, Sam Banks says, Sam, you did a great job over the weekend. Keep up the great work. My question is, what was your favorite part of participating in Royal Rumble weekend? Uh, probably doing the kickoff show with Renee and Booker. I love doing the World's Collide kickoff show as well, but I think, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing the kickoff show with Renee and Booker. That's probably my favorite part. And then getting to watch Royal Rumble, you know, with the crowd. For some of it, I did go out onto the floor and watch with the crowd, met some cool people, got to, got to feel the ambiance of the whole thing, and then to watch it, you know, in the locker room and see the wrestling fan come out and a lot of... WWE, folks, is really cool. Uh, Sean, who do you think Edge is going to feud with? I'd love to see him and KO work magic. It's all dream matches with Edge. Uh, I don't think Edge is going to be a heel. You know, I think too many people are happy to see him back. It seems like there's a a pretty good chance that Randy Orton is going to be his first feud. 
But if I had to pick, or if I got to pick, I mean, I think him and Seth could probably have would have a really great storyline. I think a match between Seth Rollins and Edge built up in the right way. I think that could be really, really special. Um, and this is another one. Brian, do you think we get AJ and Edge at WrestleMania? Looks like that where they were trying to set up before AJ got hurt in the match. Yeah, I don't know what happened with AJ uh, in the match itself. Uh, you know, I did see him. I mean, I saw him walking around after the match. So, you know, but I, I mean, I don't know what that means. Um, so uh, that's enough. I would love to see AJ and Edge, but there was Randy Orton stuff going on too. So I don't know. This one, yeah, another one says Styles versus Edge. Uh, Todd says, does The Fiend continue his run into Mania with Daniel Bryan? I don't know. I think Daniel Bryan needs to move on to something else. Maybe he can go back to The Fiend eventually, but The Fiend's beaten him twice now, so I don't I don't know. I mean, he really definitely beat him tonight. He definitely beat Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble, so I don't know what argument Daniel Bryan would have to get a, a rematch or anything. Uh, CN Punk says, wouldn't Shayna been a better choice to win by eliminating Charlotte and maybe set up a whole four horsewomen versus four horsewomen angle? People keep talking about that. I No, you know, I mean, I, I no. If Shayna Baszler had eliminated Charlotte, I mean, Becky is a good guy. Charlotte goes in between. Bailey's a bad guy. Sasha Banks is a bad guy. They're on two separate brands. Like, I don't, I don't need to see... Four horsewomen versus four horsewomen. I want to see Shayna versus Charlotte. I want to see Ronda versus Becky. Eventually, when Marina Shafir and Jessamine Duke are, you know, the wrestlers that Shayna and Ronda are, I would love to see them in the mix too. But I'm not I'm not sitting here going like we need to see this eight person tag match immediately. Like it's an eight person tag match. Singles matches are better. So, no, I, I don't think that at all. And I think that Charlotte eliminating Shayna makes it so we want to see Charlotte versus Shayna. You know, I think that the story between... Here's why it makes sense that Charlotte would eliminate Shayna, in my opinion, especially after the uh, aftermath of that, is that Charlotte is not a good guy who overcame Shayna Baszler. We're going back to this story of, of Charlotte being the, the poster child and Shayna Baszler coming to spoil her. And Charlotte got lucky with the elimination. Shayna's got something to prove to Charlotte, not the other way around. So when Shayna shows up for her match with Charlotte, she still has something to prove to Charlotte. If she eliminates Charlotte from the match, then Charlotte has something to prove to Shayna. But that's not the case. It's the other way around. So that's why I think it made sense what we saw. Um, Adam says, y'all owe Meltzer and the others an apology. I don't think so. Personally, I don't think the reports ruined Edge's return as it was, well, we'll believe it when we see it type of thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess that goes back to my original point at the beginning of the show. Uh, Tony Gunk says, what do you do with Daniel Bryan at Mania? That's a good question. That's a really good question. You know, I mean, I think that... Uh, Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus is a very real possibility. I think that I think Daniel Bryan versus Baron Corbin could actually be very good. 
You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if that's the direction we start going in. Daniel Bryan, I would probably do it. I would probably start to build a compelling story between Daniel Bryan and Baron Corbin. Um, Ryan says, why Charlotte? Not that she's a bad choice, just not the one I would have made. I think I explained that. Uh, let's see. Mark says, how the hell do you have a strap match with pinfalls or submissions? Yeah, I mean, that's not the traditional rules of a strap match, but it for this scenario... At least we're not sitting there going, okay, well, it's, you know, it's decisive. I think that the reason they didn't do touch the corner posts, which are the traditional strap match rules, are that the pinfall was extremely decisive. There is no arguing who the better man was at the Royal Rumble. Uh, Lance, who was the worst winner in the history of the Royal Rumble and why? Let's see. Um... Let's see. I I the winners are generally okay. I mean, I, I don't know that there's been a really bad Royal Rumble winner, you know. I think historically it's Alberto Del Rio probably didn't work out the way they wanted him to, and I don't know if Sheamus's run worked out exactly how they wanted it to. You know, I, I, I guess Hacksaw Jim Duggan, even though he's the man. He wasn't exactly a main eventer. Uh, will NXT or NXT UK be at WrestleMania? NXT UK will not be at WrestleMania. I mean, they'll be part of WrestleMania weekend, but they're not going to be on the pay-per-view. I would imagine we'll see one NXT match, potentially, at WrestleMania. I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't, but I would hope that we would. If you could have a WrestleMania moment, what would it be and who would it be with? Uh, it'd probably be somebody... Probably be Bianca Belair beating me up. <laughs> uh, who do you think will main event WrestleMania? Who do you want? Who has earned it? Well, I mean, everybody's earned it. You know, I don't think it's any of our spot to say, well, you didn't earn it. Uh, you know, I think Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar is a pretty strong WrestleMania main event. I think people would be super into that. Uh, Jeff says, did you prefer Royal Rumbles where managers could stay at ringside or where managers were sent back, and when will Katie Linendahl be back? Tweet Katie. Tell her to come back on the show. I'll have her back any time. Uh, I, th- I like the managers not being at ringside. That way it's special when, like, Seth Rollins brings out, uh, you know, his faction with him. But I do like, you know, that, like, Robert Stone came out with Chelsea Green in the Royal Rumble. I like that they show up at the entranceway, and then... And then they send their client to the ring. I think it gets complicated when there's managers on the outside. I think it's too much. Um, any plans for you to win the 24-7 championship? Maybe a surprise run in tonight during the Women's Royal Rumble match. Well, I don't know why I'd be in the Women's Royal Rumble match, but I don't know. You'd have to ask WWE if there were any plans. I don't think there are any plans at the moment for me to win uh, the 24-7 championship. Triple H comes over to you, and he asks, Hey, Sam, I really want to be on WrestleMania but I just cannot decide on who my opponent should be. Please help me book my WrestleMania match. Okay. Who should Triple H's WrestleMania opponent be? Now, I'm just seeing this tweet. So, uh, I haven't... I haven't thought about it. Um, let's see. Triple H's WrestleMania opponent. Uh, Kevin Owens. Yeah, it would be Kevin Owens. I like the idea of there being history with NXT... History with, you know, Kevin Owens being a part of, of the authority. Yeah, Kevin Owens versus Triple H. 
would be my WrestleMania match. And yeah, you would just tell the story of, of Kevin Owens being used by Triple H and him having enough. About yeah, I I think a Kevin Owens Triple H WrestleMania match would be awesome. And uh finally how does it feel, Dylan writes, having the most heat of anyone on the roster? I don't think I have the most heat of anybody on the roster. I did find it interesting that Houston decided to boo me as soon as I opened my mouth at Worlds Collide. I didn't think that was necessary. Um, but I think that there are people. I don't know if I have the most heat of anyone on the roster. I think Baron Corbin has heat. If you want to look at somebody that's got an amazing amount of heat, Baron Corbin is your guy. I mean, what a role model that guy is, huh? Thank you for being a part of uh, of this week's show. Uh, don't forget, Thursday we'll be back. Email notsamwrestling at gmail.com. You can be a part of the show, and we'll see you then. Hope you guys enjoyed the Royal Rumble. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.